Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the competitive erotic fanfiction podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Here's round two of the championship edition recorded live in Los Angeles this past Tuesday, June 18th, 2013, when we celebrated one year of shows at the Nerd Melt Showroom. To hear round one, go back and download episode five, featuring Kyle Kinane, Danny Solomon, Jim Hamilton, Mike O'Connell, and Andre Duboucher, all reading pieces they wrote in advance based upon subjects of their choosing. But this is round two, where past champions Kurt Brauneler, Chip Pope, Eliza Skinner, Heather Thompson, and Matt Bronger all wrote pieces based upon audience suggestions. First, you're going to hear them choosing a topic, and then we'll fast forward 30 minutes into the future to hear their final works. I get the bag of suggestions. Uh, guys, please welcome your round two comics who will be writing based upon your suggestions. Kurt Bronner, Eliza Skinner, Chip Pope, Heather Thompson, and Matt Brogger, ladies and gentlemen. Somewhere, anywhere. There they are. Keep it going. Cool. And let's start with Miss Heather Thompson because she's right here. So... Here's how this part works. If she likes the first suggestion, she can just take it. If she doesn't like it, uh, I will draw a second one, but then you all vote with applause on which one she gets stuck writing. So, all right. I should point out at the top of the show, I should have explained that nobody is allowed to write Golden Girls except me. <laughs> Those bitches are mine, but I failed to explain that, so I'll allow it if you want Golden Girls, but keep in mind they're mine. I let Kurt have them in Portland. Let's just do second and let the audience choose. All right. Mystery Science Theater 3000. I don't know how you... All right. Who wants to hear Golden Girls? Who wants to hear Mystery Science Theater 3000? I think Mystery Science Theater takes it. I may be biased, but I think Mystery Science Theater takes it. Thank you so much. Good luck with that. Eliza Skinner, ladies and gentlemen. Your first option is Mac and Me. <laughs> AKA Budget ET. I know what it is. Um, well, looks like I'm getting two. Yeah, sure. Read it since you I pulled was just it being already. Prepared. No, you pulled it already. I haven't Cook. said it yet. Okay, say it. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> so, who wants to hear Mac and Me? I find that disappointing. Who wants to hear Abraham Lincoln? Eliza Skinner, ladies and gentlemen, give it go for Matt Breyer! Ooh, your first option is Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. <laughs> That's a real good one. Yeah, of course you will. Of course you will. Because you're not an idiot. Kurt Rowland, ladies and gentlemen. Kurt, your first option is Garfield. Take it. There it is. Garfield. And finally, Chip Pope. He brought a backpack full of porno. Uh, the, the game operation. Let's see, let's see what the other one is. Okay. Just for fun. I believe Michael Bay is currently making a motion picture of it. I love Lucy. 
So I leave it to you. Who wants to hear Operation? Who wants to hear I Love Lucy? I Love Lucy it is. Good luck, Chip. All right. Big hand for everybody from now, too. Someone's ready. Chip Pope, you ready, buddy? Why not? All right. Chip Pope, ladies and gentlemen. I Love Lucy, was it, if you didn't remember. <laughs> the rain fell hard on Desilu Studios in Hollywood, California, USA. <laughs> so hard, in fact, it was as if God's saggy scrotum were put in a vice and he was crying the tears that made the rain. Can you even imagine the massive mass that would constitute God's balls? No, it's unimaginable. So stop. I mean, they're big, but not as big as the universe, naturally. Mother, leave me alone. I'm fucking writing. <laughs> Lucille Ball, comedy legend, but not yet, because it was in the 50s. And Desi Arnaz, possibly communist, definitely Cuban. <laughs> and future lung cancer dyer of were royally reaming their sorry-ass staff of writers. Not literally, not yet. <laughs> Lucy looked right into the eye of Bob Schiller, one of the nameless Jews of the era who had cranked out stories for her for the past five years. <laughs> Schiller, this shit is crap. You've been giving me shit stories all crappy year. Damn, man. Really? I mean, please. It's not good, this stuff you've been writing for me. Weak sauce, bro. I mean, I could pull somebody off the street and they could do it better. For real. I'm not joking around here, Schiller. Wah. <laughs> Clearly she was a comic actor who needed a team of rabid Jews to prop up her shit. <laughs> I mean, they had written wah for her several years before. Man, actors, they just don't appreciate it. No, Mom, I don't want cheese on my sandwich. It's bad for you. <laughs> Another Jewish guy, a.k.a. Jew, Bob Weisskopf. <laughs> Lucy cleverly referred to the two Jewish guys named Bob until they rewrote themselves the nicknames Heckle and Schmeckle. <laughs> Bob Weisskopf stood up and said, Lucy, as Weisskopf, her agent, Desi, others in the know, and American people informally referred to her as Lucy, we've been breaking stories for the past three years without even one day off. Can it, Schmeckle? Desi interjected an accent th so thick it was like the extra jizz on the bassinet that didn't find its way into Lucy to make that annoying fucker little Ricky. <laughs> Don't complain about being overworked, you idiotas. I came here on a raft and killed four of my family members to get a job in Salinas picking cabbage. It was there I invented the three-camera sitcom and graciously drove down to Hollywood in a car of the era because, as always, the Jews couldn't invent a three-camera sitcom because the movie executives were too busy trying to stick their pussy busters into Marilyn Monroe. But that is for another day. Yeah, thanks for the goddamn sandwich, Mom. You walked it in here. What do you want, a medal? <laughs> Desi continued, or continuased in his language. 
This writer's room is just a bunch of, uh, a bunch of, does someone give me something here? Weisskopf shouted out, this writer's room has a bunch of dirty, crusty assholes with bits of peanuts around the sphincter that you can wipe and wipe but never quite get clean even after you hop on the sink and squat over it, cleaning your dirty, godforsaken shit muscle, trying with all your might, but you can never achieve your goal of a sweet-smelling baby Ruth shoot? <laughs> Desi paused a moment. That's pretty good, but I think we can beat it. <laughs> How would you describe yourself, Schiller? Mom, have you been reading over my shoulder the whole time? What the fuck? You're supposed to make me the sandwich and leave. Really? The word pussy buster made you horny? That's interesting. No, I hadn't noticed those new leggings that you got at Chico's, but now that you mention it, they are kind of hot. Seriously, there's nothing I like to do more than fuck you, but I've got to get this posted before Orphan Black comes on. <laughs> okay. I took my mother's quivering quim in my hands. It felt familiar, yet strange, as it had dried a little. But that's expected when your stepdad's been dead for over two years. She voraciously untied my old navy sweatpants she'd bought for me on a discount eight years earlier as a celebration of my sale of the graphic novel Moby Dick, The Whale with the Big Dick. <laughs> as she put my swole-up member up there in the baby maker, the baby maker that had made this very baby, who was now a man, I remember thinking of her mother. Yeah, she was hot. That's the extra oomph I needed to spray my load up in her tube-tied vagicenter. That's new slang. I think it will catch on. Splooey, I came with the force of a thousand horses, or like the guy holding up the globe on that old Van Halen album. <laughs> After she took a bite of my sandwich, she awkwardly pulled up her leggings and said she needed to go to the store. Of course you do! The past 20 years have been nothing but a trip to the store! Thank God you'll be gone so I can finish this and shoot my Duncan Hines boy batter all over the Zoom. Zoom that you brought me, a Zoom. Yes, Mom, you brought me a Zoom. And I will fruitlessly look for updates. <laughs> um, so anyway, at this point, Desi is like beyond pissed at those dumb writers. Do, do, do you know what we need to get the creative juices flowing? The writers, even the one female writer, Madeline Davis, having only one female writer on staff was established in 1951. Why change that now? Side. Because they all knew that they would have to suck Lucy's dick as punishment. Yes, Lucy has a dick, Mom. Oh, you're gone. I'm sorry. So predictably, Lucy whips out her 10-inch dong. If you're going to have the operation, have the operation, if I may quote the movie singles. And they all sucked it and stuff and shit and junk. Man, I hate when mom has gone too long. I wonder where she goes when she takes these trips to the store. I bet she goes and gets her lip box worked over by some lifeguards. Yeah, we live in Dana Point. Any other info you need, stalker? Uh, yeah, so anyhow, the writers sucked a bunch of giant Lucy Dong, and the jizz from it ended up making them so smart. The next episode they wrote was the famous one about the chocolate factory. True story. This has been Annie's biography of Bob Weiskopf, Jew, TV writer, literal motherfucker, and the first fan fiction author in the world. Shit, hope. Holy shit. Who else is ready, round two? Somebody. 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 Eliza, you good? Eliza Skinner, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, you guys asked for this. 
<laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry to, to everyone. <laughs> 98, 99, 100. Bobby finished his final sit-up and lay back on the grass, staring at the clouds. Hey, called a voice. Bobby looked up and saw a younger boy, about 17, watching him. The boy tossed him an apple. He earned it. Thanks, Abe, mumbled, the bo- mu- mumbled Bobby, biting into the juicy, firm flesh. Abe tur- tumbled into the grass next to him. Pretty soon you're going to be strong enough to build like a whole log cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Not interested in log cabins, Bobby said, his fingers snaking inside the younger boy's shirt. Not here, mewled Abe, though Bobby could see his thick boner straining at his flimsy trousers. Why did he always wear such flimsy trousers? (laughs) You feeling shy, he teased, rolling on top of him and kissing him hard on the mouth. No, I just, I'm I'm too pale. I don't want to get burned. You know, I once knew a man, I don't want to hear your stories. Bobby growled. (laughs) Silently, he stood and grabbed Abe's wrist, yanking him up. He pulled him into the barn and roughly threw him up against a wall. Bobby, what are you doing? Fucking you, Abe. (laughs) Bobby pulled his pants down and his heart on sprang out, bouncing. They heard a clatter and turned to find Jim. The farm negro, standing shocked. (laughs) A spilled pail of milk by his feet. What are you looking at, boy? Yelled Bobby. Bobby, don't talk to him like that, spat Abe. What, you fucking this guy too? (laughs) Abe glanced at Jim guiltily. shit, you are, aren't you, you little slut? You don't understand. Oh, don't I? Yelled the older boy. I get that you will suck any dick that wanders by. Not just any dick, interrupted Jim. (laughs) Bobby turned to find him stroking his rock-hard cock like a man oiling a baguette. (laughs) (laughs) Holy, holy shit, said said Bobby. Mmm, yummy, murmured future President Abe Lincoln. (laughs) He fell to his knees and scooched over to the huge black dick as though there was a magnet inside of it and his throat was made of steel. Within seconds, he was gagging on it, drool glistening on his pronounced mole. Oh, fuck, mumbled Bobby. He'd never seen a man sucking another man's dick, and he'd never seen a cock that big. He'd also never heard Abe make those sounds, like a starving raccoon with a bag of applesauce. (laughs) He looked down at his own dick. It was bigger and harder than it had ever been, but it was still so much smaller than Jim's. It was like comparing a kielbasa to a tiny dick. (laughs) Bobby looked back up and made eye contact with Jim. There's enough to go around, said the farmhand, amused. You want some? Bobby nodded his head. You gotta ask nice, though. You think you can do that? Bobby nodded his head. I want to hear you ask for it. Can I? Can you what? Can I suck your dick? 
I want you to say, can I suck your big black dick, sir? Bobby looked at the huge member and back at Jim's face. Abe stopped sucking with a pop. Do it, Bobby! Can, can, I, can, I suck, can I suck your big black dick, sir? Bobby stammered, and Jim smiled. All you had to do was ask. Come and get it. Bobby fell to his knees and crept over to the giant cock. He, lipped, he licked it tentatively and then with abandon. The two men were licking and slurping like two puppies sharing a lollipop. <laughs> Jim started to lose himself, his eyes rolling back in his head as he swayed and moaned. Suddenly he called out, Shut your eyes! Shut your eyes! And the boys did as they were told, as, blew, as Jim blew his load all over their faces. Both of their faces. It was like a crazy amount of cum. <laughs> Like they thought it was done, and then there was still more. Like that much come. While his eyes were still closed, Bobby heard Abraham Lincoln whisper, Can I clean your face? He nodded his head and then felt Abe's soft, hot tongue licking him clean. When he was finished, Bobby blinked and opened his eyes. Jim was looking down at him. Who's the little slut now? Bobby looked ashamed. Just kidding, the man laughed. You're a sexy little fuck, he said. (laughs) Thank you, said Bobby, smiling. The two boys spilled out of the barn into the sunlight, dazed. Oh my God, he was amazing. I know, right? Laughed Abe. (laughs) Good luck defending slavery after that, southern boy. To say the least, I think I'll always be a little conflicted, Robert E. Lee said. Liza Skinner, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Who else do we got, round two? Somebody, somebody, someone. You ready? Matt Breyer! Matt Breyer, ladies and gentlemen! Jim and uh, Tammy Faye Baker. (laughs) It was a beautiful day in God's country. The sun was shining bright on Heritage USA. Outside in the sacred hall, the guards of Christian faith tried to pretend they heard what Jim Baker said he and Brother Sam were doing, lifting weights made of Bibles. (laughs) It excused, or else so Jim thought, the grunts and moans. Oh, 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 Sam, moaned Jim Baker as he took a veiny and gorged Christian shaft into his stretched-wide, dilated rectum. You're doing the Lord's work. (laughs) Sam couldn't take it. It was his first day at Heritage USA in Fort Mill, South Carolina, and here he was, balls deep in the Pope of the American South. Oh, God, I... Uh, don't you dare, yelled Jim. It is 1984, the year of our Lord, and I'm the king. At the mention of the word king, Brother Sam's ball sack made a fist, and his dick ruption exploded into Jim Baker's rectory. <laughs> spilling hot white holy sauce down his and Brother Sam's legs. 
Jim Baker stood as Brother Sam fell, exhausted and spent, like the poor southern donors who filled Heritage USA's coffers. <laughs> like like bro- Brother Sam just filled Jim Baker's tight butthole. <laughs> I am disgusted, yelled Jim. Just shut up, Jimmy. Jim Baker turned, his half-aroused church steeple turning with him, as curious as he was. On God... Oh, God's own cock in heaven. It was Tammy Faye. Ha, how'd you get in here, stammered Jim. Question is, yelled back Tammy Faye, how did he, she pointed at Sam, get in there? <laughs> Jim Baker's gaping, still engorged anal mouth had nothing to say, <laughs> as it was full of the Holy Spirit and jizz. <laughs> Without a word, Tammy Faye slapped Jim across the face. His quivering, sweaty body fell forward across his desk, a Bible forced into his mouth by, by, the, by the momentum, which was good, because his screams would certainly have alerted security when Tammy Faye Baker thrust her short but thick arm up Jim Baker's rectum <laughs> to the shoulder. Jim's rod and staff blasted hot hallelujah sauce with brutal speed and force. Pictures of friends and family flew off his desk. He'd never known such pleasure and pain. It was truly the rapture. The security detail outside in the great hall beat against the door. It sounded like someone was skewering a pig to roast in sacrifice to our Lord. Just then, all was still. Jim Baker had had enough. His body shuddered and was still. A deep breathing came from his quivering mouth. Tammy Faye realized she'd been crying, and her mascara had run down her doll-like face yet again. She also realized she'd had her own holy eruption down in the valley. taking her now bloody arm from Jim's ass. She wiped her holy loins, then her holy purple face. Then, her hand dripping with glory, she anointed Jim Baker's shuddering face. This is the blood of Christ. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Well done. Kurt, you ready? Mr. Kurt Brown, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I uh, disturbingly realized while writing this how much I would really like to write actual Garfield comics. (laughs) Okay, this is just going to stay here. Um, Here we go. Garfield raises one eyelid. Mere inches from his face is the dumb, wet tongue of Odie. What fresh new hell is this day? Garfield thinks as he gets up and stretches his back out. He then locks eyes with Odie, and as he raises his back leg up and over his head and slowly and lugubriously licks his swollen, furry cock. His rough, sandpaper tongue is just enough friction to feel good, 
since many of the nerve endings in his cock have died years ago. Garfield sighs. When God gives you 120 to 150 backward-pointing penile spines on the tip of your dick, you'd think he'd at least give you opposable thumbs to hold on to that pussy when she starts bucking. Which gives him an idea. Hey, Odie, you ever sucked a dick before? Odie blinks and continues to pant. Yeah, that big old tongue of yours is just made to suck some dick. Faster than light, he grabs Odie's tongue and ties it around his dick in a perfect bow tie. Aha! Odie stares straight ahead, blinks once, and does not react. His tongue, a perfect bow tie around Garfield's short, furry dick. Garfield sighs. It's not even fun anymore. Just then, John Arbuckle comes in the front door. Odie turns and walks to greet John, dragging the nonplussed Garfield by the dick with him. John sees what Garfield's done. Garfield, you tied Odie's tongue around your dick? Garfield strikes a pose, dick out. It must be Tuesday. John palms his forehead. New page. Garfield, sleeping, is approached by an obviously excited John and a dull-eyed Odie. Garfield raises one eye. What? John whips out a lasagna. Surprise! Happy birthday! John attempts to stifle a giggle. Garfield can tell something's up. He stays half asleep. I don't have a birthday. You found me on the street. John can't help himself anymore. Surprise, he yells. Nermal jumps out of the lasagna and stands with jazz hands at attention. John laughs. Nermal poses. Odie pants. A beat. Then Garfield holds Nermal's face down in the lasagna while he shoves his pronged cock so far up Nermal's asshole that blood comes out of Nermal's mouth. He then rips his spiked cock out of Nermal's ass, taking most of his young, soft anus with it while making direct eye contact with John. As Nermal lies, moaning and bleeding from both the mouth and the ass, Garfield climbs back into his bed and says, Who knew I liked birthdays so much? John stands, mouth agape. Odie starts to lick Nermal's bloody asshole. New page. Bill Murray wakes up in a wooden box with one small blanket wrapped around his naked body. He's been method preparing for his voicing of Garfield in the 2004 animated eponymous film. He stumbles into the kitchen to heat up his breakfast lasagna. Still groggy, his cock hangs stiff and full from the night before. And before he realizes what he's doing, he's jerking off into the sink thinking about his Garfield co-star, Jennifer Love Hewitt. But just before he can finish, in strides Chevy Chase, dressed only in a puffy beret and a blue scarf. That's right. 
Chevy is method preparing for his role as the voice of Heathcliff, Junkyard Cat. (laughs) For a direct DVD adaptation of Heathcliff, which will unfortunately die on the editing room floor. But at this point, nobody knows that these two men are about to make the biggest mistakes in their career. That's all in the future. Right now, they're just two naked actors in a kitchen. (laughs) Bill Murray locks eyes with Chevy. Bill then comes in the sink and says, fuck you, Chevy. (laughs) And walks out with his coffee. New page. Garfield opens one eye to see John, pantsless, sliding a greased-up normal up his own asshole. Garfield immediately snaps both eyes open, but by that point, John is standing as if nothing happened in front of Garfield. Garfield plays it cool. John asks, morning, sleep well? Have you seen normal? Why, no, John says, I haven't. John sits down nervously. Garfield gets a plan. I just love that guy. I wish he was here right now. Inside John's anus, Nermal's ears perk up. This is the first time Garfield has ever said anything nice about him. I just love that guy, you know? He's my favorite. I wish he was here right now. Normal turns. This is his big moment. He tries to get out of John's asshole, but John has sat down and is pushing hard. Normal pushes and pushes and can't get out of John's asshole. Garfield, I just love Normal so much. He's yelling at this point. Normal is going crazy. He says there's only one way, and he turns himself around and starts to claw upwards through John's small intestine, through John's large intestine. At this point, John starts to make a face, and Garfield continues. I love Normal. I wish Normal was here right now. And Normal's screaming, I'm coming. From the mouth. Garfield takes one look at Nermal and says, Ah, uh, the moment's passed. <laughs> Nermal looks back at John's desiccated and destroyed lifeless body. Realizing what he's done, takes out a small cat gun and blows his own brains out. Garfield looks up and says, I hate Mondays. Thank you. And your final competitor of the evening, Heather Thompson. Showing some shoulder meat. (laughs) For the parts of the writing that don't work. (laughs) Once upon a time, there was a beautiful girl with long blonde hair and lily white skin and a pink sweater. 
I'm trying to wink. I have face stuff. <laughs> and very weak ankles. But that's a long, sexy story for another time. She went to the back of a comic book store to entertain a lovable crew of misfits who had little else to live for. <laughs> Just kidding. She was given the task of writing about a wondrous comedy show that she should know, but doesn't really because she had a strange sheltered childhood where she mostly watched different versions of Pride and Prejudice with her mom. <laughs> and now watches a lot of Emma Thompson movies because she gets the sadness and also hopes that someday someone will confuse her for her daughter. <laughs> but she goes straight to Wikipedia and looks up Mystery Science Theater 3000, a.k.a. MTSTK3. <laughs> oh my goodness, a robot and a man they recast several times watching movies? That sounds sexy. <laughs> she began to picture herself in between them. Yes, I wrote myself in. I've been very lonesome lately. <laughs> she pictures herself in between Crow T. Robot and Mike Nelson watching horrible dialogue and movies with little to no character arc. It was like the time she dated a frat boy who wanted to write Nel a Nightmare on Elm Street 4, but way sexier. <laughs> Joel Hodgson was watching, and as hard as a show creator can be, I put my hand on Mike's knee and the other one on the sad robot's metal leg. And it was on. We looked at each other and they leaned across me and started sucking face like two teenagers who didn't have long to live. And I started grabbing at the robot's control board, twisting and rubbing, assuming these were like his boobs or nipples or something. This got the robot pretty wet, which was a big deal because A, risk of short circuit, and B, the robot had never known human or mechanical love. <laughs> At this point, Mike already had so much hot pre-cum coming out of him, his film critiquing couldn't happen anymore. <laughs> I wrote something better, but I can't... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting hot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Heather and Mike looked at each other and said, now, and pounced on the robot, letting him know pure, joyful penetration for the first time. His robot hymen popped open like a tin can of fireworks on the 4th of July. <laughs> the sparks rained down on their hot bodies. On the hot, in their hot bodies in the studio, causing them to quickly move from appearing on KTMA to Comedy Central. <laughs> At this point, there was so much fire and cum everywhere. The Blob, the scared running bimbo, and Yakov Smirnoff, all stars of the B-movie, popped out of the screen and into Fuckfest 3000. <laughs> the girl grabbed Heather and said, I didn't get to go to college, but I'm ready to experiment. And they started scissoring, which is a real thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yakov cradled the recently deflowered robot and said, suck my Soviet balls equally. <laughs> the robot's cold metal teeth hurt a little, but Yakov was used to it from standing in line for food in his home country. <laughs> Frank Conniff showed up, and him and Mike started jerking themselves off in the way only two comedy guys can. <laughs> mad scientist Dr. Clayton Forrest, responsible for them being on the spaceship in the first place, started realizing they were getting too hot for the atmosphere in outer space. 
the ship was going to overheat and explode. He started to yell stop, but then realized that it was going to happen anyway. And he yelled, never mind, never mind, enjoy yourselves. Fuck till you die. Fuck till you die. They took his advice and started aggressively grabbing and sucking and fucking and humping with the anger and intensity of a coke fiend trying to get a stain out of a carpet. (laughs) And they all came at once and then the ship exploded. And that's why in 1999, Mystery Science Theater went off the air. Thank you. Heather Thompson, stay right there, Heather. Let's get everybody from round two back up here. Round two, folks. So, I will once again remind you of what everybody wrote and in order, and then we'll vote on a grand champ for round two. We started with Chip Pope with I Love Lucy. Then we had Eliza Skinner with Abe Lincoln. Matt Bronger with Jim and Tammy Faye. Uh, Kurt Brownler with Garfield. And finally, Heather Thompson with Mystery Science Theater 3000. So, with your applause, Chip Pope, I Love Lucy. Eliza Skinner, Abe Lincoln. Matt Bronger, Jim and Tammy Faye. Kurt Brownell or Garfield. Heather Thompson, Mystery Science Theater. Your round two champion, Kurt Brownler, ladies and gentlemen. Here for everybody you saw tonight. Great show, right? Holy shit. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Thank you guys for not only doing this show once, but coming back. That's ridiculous. Uh, I really appreciate it. This has been a blast. Come back third Tuesday of every month and check out the podcast. I'm Brian Cook. Have a great night. Well, that does it for round two. Congrats to Kurt Brownler, the second grand champion crowned that night, and thanks to everybody who competed or supported the show in its first year. Stay tuned for next week's show, recorded at NerdMelt back on October 16th of 2013. You can catch competitive erotic fan fiction on the road. Upcoming shows include July 14th at the Hawthorne Theater in Portland, Oregon, with very special guest Jackie Cation. July 16th back at Nerd Melton LA and stay tuned for more info on San Francisco, Denver, and Seattle shows in August. More details can be found on the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Facebook group or by following me on Twitter at Brian Cooking. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com.